try the different voices. All right. The work in progress, sort of like, sort of like me. Why the Christmas music, you ask? Well, first off, it just makes me happy. Christmas music is happy. Christmas music should make you happy, too. There you were as a child, riding on your sleigh. Maybe you had some sleigh bells. There you were riding. Maybe being pulled by a horse. Or possibly two horses. Maybe a really big dog. Maybe you had a German shepherd that liked to pull you around, or a great dame. Maybe you had a an extremely motivated chihuahua. <laughs> Whatever it took. Definitely not an aardvark, though. I don't think anybody would hitch an aardvark to a, to a sleigh. That would be cruel. Anyway, where would you find one? Folks, the other reason for the Christmas music, seven matches to go over this week. Seven. That's like a gift that just keeps on giving and giving. And not all of it was happy, but man, we have it. That's the whole idea is to have a little bit of fun here. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some in-depth analysis. Ooh, there's a little pause in there. And we're going to enjoy ourselves. And I think that's enough Christmas music. What do you think? All right. Goodbye, Christmas music. It's been fun. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Hopefully you're ready with a little eggnog to take this show in, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Joseph Valla of The Groove Machine. I also have sung the national anthem for you a couple times. And this is episode two of the Center Forward podcast. This podcast includes content for both Louisville City, Racing Louisville, uh, but we're also eventually going to get some uh, local stuff involved. And plus we're doing national stuff. And there's plenty of national stuff to talk about this week with uh, the men's and women's teams. And... Um, a couple of yucks for it. We have a couple of new segments. We're also going to have two regular contributors that are going to be joining us uh, today and hopefully for every week here on in. Uh, and uh, those would be Joey Cecil, who's going to do some analysis for us and also um, analysis for us. <laughs> Don't talk too fast, Joe. I talk fast. I'm sorry. I'm from New Jersey. I can't help it. And then also Ken Luther is going to be joining us today and really looking forward to it. And uh, man, thank you so much for the subscriptions. Uh, plenty of downloads, and that's really cool. So hopefully as we get better at this and we add better content, you'll enjoy it as well, and you'll share it with your friends. So please subscribe, and, and we'll be doing all kinds of neat stuff. But let's we got a lot to get into, so let's get into the content. There's so much to do today because, like I said, we've got seven games to go over, plus some other stuff as well. So we're going to get right after it. This week, not only are there five things, we got seven things because we have... We have so much content. It's like Christmas. Come to me, Santa. Come to me. <laughs> All right, man, let's get after this. Come on. All right. Number seven. If it's a choice between a root canal or watching a game in an empty two stadium, bring on the drill. I mean, I can't take it. <laughs> like, it's hard to watch, man, especially after such a great performance that they had. And here's the thing. 
for this league to be viable and be respected, look, we're going to have to have teams that draw people. You can't have nine teams or whatever it is that nobody comes to the matches, okay? So I know some of you are all pro MLS having teams here. I get that. You know, it doesn't bother you, but that matters. So anyway, I think we're going to move on. To racing fans, folks, stay the course here. I know you're very dedicated fans. One of the things I've really learned is how deeply dedicated the, the, the supporting base is. And we're just going to have a rough patch here. It's going to take time. It's going to take time to get this thing rolling. So, But the foundation's being laid. We talked about that in the last show. We talked about how the foundation is being set to have a great team here. It's going to take time to build a, uh, build a consistency with the players, and uh, I'm sure talent will be moving in as well. So that's just the way it is, you know? So let's just hang in there. Things are going to be fine. Uh, number five, Jorge Gonzalez made me a profit, I told you. <laughs> Although the last game, he didn't have quite the impact. He was a steady force for the vast majority of the match. But him jumping in after 20 seconds or whatever the hell it was and scoring that goal was really awesome. And I'm telling you, he's an electric player. As time goes on, he is going to be more involved and more important. Let's move on. Number four, using the word epic when it really, truly means epic. If you didn't watch the USA-Netherlands women's quarterfinal, you missed one of the greatest soccer matches ever. And I'm not kidding you. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, things didn't end the way we wanted them to. But that match had everything you were looking for in a soccer match. A lot of drama, a lot of energy. Uh, so that was a great win. Let's move on. Uh, number three, derp penalty penalty. Sort of a weird way to get scoring in a match, but it happens, right? I mean, what are you going to do? You know, we're going to talk about that with Joey. Maybe we'll get some more goals in run of play as time goes on. Number two, U.S. men's team. A massive win getting the monkey off our back. Great job, guys. Fantastic. It's great to have some hope again. This music's hopeful. Here we get to the big crescendos. And finally, the last one, depth brings success. Talked about that last week, too. This this uh, Louisville City team is deep. We needed it last week. And, and, you know, with a couple guys out, and I'm telling you, this team is set to make a massive run. Here it comes, though. We got to wait. The big pause. There it is. Come on, Louisville City. Keep it up. Racing. You're going to be fine. Crazy week this week. Man, I'll tell you, we've got to get to the big ending, though, because it's very exciting. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There it is, folks. Seven tings from last week. Okay, after my seven tings, hopefully you enjoyed that. We're going to first start with the local teams. Three games to cover, uh, two Louisville City games and one racing game. Uh, the gentleman that's going to be helping us out with game analysis for this and national team stuff is Joey Cecil. Joey, how are you today? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? Awesome, man. I'm really glad that you're joining me with this. I really am. Great. Very, very happy to have an opportunity to talk soccer anytime. Awesome. And I need to ask you one question. How many, how many th 300 games are you up to? I think by last count, I'm at 26. Jesus. <laughs> That's insane, man. That's awesome. So, but that's great, man. Anyway, let's let's jump into it because we don't have a lot a lot of time this week with all the games. Why don't we start with the? Uh, I guess we could start with the two loose city games if that's okay. Okay. Let's yeah. start. Let's start with the uh, Sporting Kansas City match last Wednesday, where I was like really impressed with how well they played. What do you think? I agree with that. Uh, they just it, they they just took care of business. Uh, it was the Brian Ownby smoke show. Yeah, man. I mean, he popped up everywhere. <laughs> and for him to not somehow get a goal well, blew my mind. The yeah. fact that somehow Louisville City didn't score four or five right. was also surprising. Uh, but his two assists were great. 
just taking care of business, especially on the road. And Sporting KC's also had that that ability to be a thorn in our side at times, you know, playing us really tough. Right. So it was just great to see them go on the road, take care of business, get in, get out, uh, and hopefully, you know, trigger own B to have a huge uh, last half of this season. Yeah, it's going to be pretty important. And and having him in more of a supporting role than a pure attacking role, what do you think about that? I kind of like it in the supporting role a little bit more. Oh, sure. Um, mm-hmm. He's fantastic at being able to drive at people and take people on. Right, right. Uh, and that's and that, that's always been his greatest skill. Mm-hmm. And when he's able to take people on and then send in that final pass, uh, that's always been his strong suit, as opposed to having to be the focal point of the attack. And when we can use him that way, mm-hmm. uh, it shows his best qualities. You know, his quickness, uh, his create, his creativity. Right. Uh, that's Brian Ownby at his best. Yeah, that's speed. He's still even at his age, man. He still has speed to burn. It's unbelievable how fast. And it's not dude just is. speed; it's that quick first step. Yes. Yes, he's just—it's like a gazelle. It's unbelievable. I was really happy to see Jorge Gonzalez involved finally. I don't know uh, what your thoughts about him. Uh, it's like a mid-season pickup, right? You know, right. Mm-hmm. you know, just him coming on the scene and not just—you know—not even wasting time getting his feet wet. Right. right. Uh, it's almost like he's—he's he's just come straight in and integrated into the squad. Mm-hmm. And you can never have too many attacking threats. Hear that. I definitely um, and 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 him him coming in and getting goal uh, getting that goal uh, which we'll talk about uh, well well is actually in this match you know getting that right. goal mm-hmm. um, maybe that opens the floodgates for him yeah hopefully um, you can never and and that's a position we haven't been able to fill is that who's lighting it up behind Cam yeah absolutely what do you think ever it? since Magnus hadn't come back you know right. we haven't had that. Who's that pocket behind the striker? Right, right, right. And that's that's kind of that role with him. Does that would just off the top of my head? Do you think that will mess with formation at all? What what would you see that happening or see that turning into? Well, it's not so much where he fits; it's where it's where everyone else is going to fit. You know, okay. one okay. one okay. Hole, one hole in the Louisville City formation this year is that central midfielder deep line. Yeah, man. You know, we lost Speedy, mm-hmm. and we haven't really filled it this year right. yet. I agree. Like, for instance, Corbin Bone has had to track back a ton, whereas mm-hmm. he traditionally would be up in that pocket, okay. you know, just behind our striker. Right. And that's mm-hmm. where he was very dangerous at the end of last season. But this mm-hmm. year, he's not been able to be as dangerous because he's had to help track back and help get the attack started but from a deeper position. Right. Uh, we haven't really been able to, to get that solution yet. Right. So uh, it really just depends on, you know, are we are we implementing more of a, if you're going to play central midfield, you got to be more box to box. You also got to track back and help out. Mm-hmm. Or is he going to be purely just you're up next to Cam and you get yours? Okay. And is there any other points about that game that you'd like to bring up that we haven't talked about yet or – or just a general no. summation. Yeah, it was. I loved it. I thought I was really happy. It was just a one. Granted, the 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 uh, the, the the competition wasn't a top notch competition, but it's not just about the competition. I think it's more about how you execute. I thought they executed fantastically. Correct. Yes, agree a thousand percent. Okay, and then we move on to the next game, which was last Saturday. Um, maybe a little bit of a different story there, but uh, what do you think with Oklahoma City? I think it just felt like we we were in control. Mm-hmm. Um, it never really felt like the game was too much in doubt. Right, right. Uh, our our back line really did well defending as a unit. Yes. Uh, especially with guys, guys playing out of position too. You know, there are games we haven't had a traditional left and right back. And mm-hmm. normally that should be terrifying. Right, but right. 
they, they've, they've done a really good job in this recent set of games of defending as a unit and, and just taking care of business. What do you think? Um, of, oh, go ahead. I, I mean, finish. No, 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 um, no, please go ahead. Uh, Joshua Winder and, 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 um, and Jogo holding down the left side. That's a 16 and 17 year old kid, <laughs> kids respectively. Right. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Uh, I, I cannot, I cannot express enough uh, my respect uh, and just, I, I can't even really find words for it for how well Joshua Winder has played mm-hmm. for a 16 year old. Don't believe um, stepping in and at one of the most crucial positions on the field, mm-hmm. uh, center back and being next to Sean Tosh, one of the best defenders in the league. That cannot be an easy assignment. No, uh, and he's just stepped in there. Has played very well. I mean, mm-hmm. if we had to have a discussion about who would be your starting best in eleven, he might be up for a discussion at this point. Yeah, man. Um, he's played well beyond his years. Oh man. And 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 you know he's shown maturity. He's shown composure. And for a center back, I'm not sure you can have two better qualities. Right. And the thing is, is that the academy deal here, getting that rolling here, it's such an awesome thing to see. And it's not just that. It's when you have kids performing as well as they are, like him. It just encourages others to become part of it, too. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And it helps, especially in this recent spat of games, that Cruz has done a great job of rotating people in and out. Yes, he has. Keeping people fresh. And you're going to need guys like Josh. You're going to need guys like Jorge to step up mm-hmm. uh, during this flood of games to give people breaks and still keep that momentum going. And and the depth, I think, what we're talking about here, you know, Niall didn't play. Um, there's the, the depth of this roster. I think it's pretty amazing. I, I'm really, it's when we're going to need it. We, you know, it, but, but who, when you're bringing guys like Paulo off the bench, like they did in Kansas city, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and very soon Oscar and yeah. Jam should be back as well. That's awesome. That is, and, that's and at, that true. Point you're gonna, at that point, you're going to have the great problem of, Oh crap. Who do I start? <laughs> yeah. That's a great problem to have, but. And um, your impression of uh, our, our, our keeper situation? Just curious. I, I had that marked down too. Is do we have a full fledged keeper contest now? Yeah. And I just don't know. I have not seen enough of uh, enough of Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he's gotten the games in, in Kansas City, but this was his first home start. Mm-hmm. And you know he didn't do too much either way. He wasn't pressured too much. Mm-hmm. His only real opportunity he had was the unfortunate penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hubbard is, what, two years removed from taking us to the USL final? Really, really, exactly. Um, and, and the thing about Chris Hubbard is this. I've always said this. Chris is a great USL keeper. Right. And he makes a lot of great saves. But mm-hmm. how much of that is, at times, he's a little slow on the pickup. Okay. Which is why he makes fantastic saves. Right, right, right. You know, he's a bit behind the play at times. Mm-hmm. And he needs a great line in front of him. Mm-hmm. So sometimes this year we haven't had that great defensive unit in front of him, right. whether due to, you know, form or tactics. So, you know, I, I don't know if we have a full on contest, but it is very interesting that that coach Cruz has gone with the young guy, Parker, the last two games. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I guess that the, well, I guess when, if you're going to this point of the year before we move on, if you were to grade this team so far about halfway in, I think, um, yeah. uh, on a, on a great, a grading scale, you teach. What do you got? I got an A minus. Yeah, man, that sounds about right. I think on the field, on the field, we're an A to an A plus. Mm-hmm. If we're going everything associated with the club, we're yeah. at an A minus. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. There's you been, know, there's been a couple of things, and and um, 
Uh, listen, I, I, I know we're short on time, so we're just going to sort of jump into the, the racing deal. I don't know. Um, sure. Uh, the uh, little bit of a, a rough go uh, in general. Um, you know, two goals. That first goal, uh, let's tell me, that was an insane goal. I, that was beautiful. I, just your impressions on the game in general. Um, I, I hate to single people out. Aaron Simon just had a nightmare of a game that game. Yeah. Um, you know, she got picked apart a couple times on goals. Mm -hmm. She got shook twice to the turf. Um, and, you know, that's just going to be your trials and tribulations going on the road against teams that have been around longer than you have. Right. And right. against and against talent like Somer. Yeah. You know, you're just I'm up against those people. Um, just my overall feeling has been it's been a feeling most of the season is, you know, we just need to work on identifying those key pieces and where we can get better in the offseason. Yeah. That's you know, if we can make the playoffs this year, it's great. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we need to find out, especially with the controversy around how many players we get to keep and how many we don't, you know. Dude. The big thing is who are we identifying as our building blocks? What do you, what and, do you go ahead? I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. I apologize. No, you are fine. Uh, I think one area that kind of let us down the past few games has been the midfield. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Louisville city. We kind of struggle in that central midfield position. Mm -hmm. And um, if we can get better there, we have great attacking pieces. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they need the ball. They need to have some fluency yeah. in, in possession as well. Mm -hmm. Uh and, and that's where I think I think that's our key focus should be in the offseason, too, is, you know, where can we improve that central midfield? Right. And I'm, I'm pretty I, so I mean, Holly, I don't I think he's doing a fairly good job, man. I, look, he's getting components that they have to piece together. Right. It, this isn't a, every new franchise is going to have to deal with every sports franchise. It's just coming out of the blocks. I mean, you're basically getting um, you're not getting the pick of the litter as far as players are concerned. I feel like he's doing a pretty decent job. What do you think? I agree with that. Um, you know, we have, I'm going to say, arguably, we have one of the most exciting, talented attacking units in the whole league. It is pretty exciting, no doubt. When you go top to bottom, mm -hmm. that you've got, you know, the the more recent addition of Nadia Nadine. You've yep. got Ebony Salmon that's already showed she can score in this league. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got Kaiser has shown she can score. Right. Um, you know, and you've got you've got the veterans, quote unquote, with Yuki and Savannah McCaskill, who hasn't even really Savannah hasn't even really been able to show yet what she can do in the attack right. because she's had to play that box to box central role, right. you know, to help facilitate things. Uh, and, and, and I think it's been great getting those pieces. I think now what I would like to see out of Coach Hawley is, OK, we've seen, you know, a couple back to back games, two nothing losses. You know, mm -hmm. is it time to maybe try a different setup? OK, some. You know, one thing I looked at is with what we've got on the roster is maybe a three ba three person back line would be something to try. Okay, and that could, could get that I, extra person in midfield. Well, not just that. I think it best utilizes Emily Fox on okay. the left as a weak back, okay, okay, as opposed to traditional left back. Okay. And I think it gives you know Aaron Simon some coverage on the right. Mm -hmm. uh, she doesn't have to feel like she's on her own out there. Okay. Plus, plus it you know it does also bunch up the midfield a bit and gives us more bodies there. Right. 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 Uh, but then again, I'm also not paid. Yeah. I'm not in that position. So yeah. uh, that's if, if, if Coach Holly doesn't think that's the option, then I got to trust in him because he's the guy we pay to do that. Absolutely. And I got to ask you one more question about this. Um, I, I tr I'm trying to make sense of this whole draft thing. Um, oh, what, like, all right, so there's 11 players that were protected last year, and now there's only nine 
And then, yes. and then on top of that, Kansas City somehow managed to protect where they don't have to lose any play. Do you? I'm asking, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm putting this on the cuff. I, I don't know how this makes any. I've never heard anything like this in my life. Ever. I don't think anybody, especially anybody associated with Louisville, has any clue how this makes any sense either. Um, the only thing that pops off the top of my head mm-hmm. is that we're going to have two expansion teams this time. Okay. But even then, rosters are more than nine people. Right. So uh, that's the only thing that I could come to the top of my mind. I just know that anyone around racing Louisville fans, I'm even going to say administration people, have no clue why we dropped from 11 to nine protected players. Yeah. And that's going to force a lot of tough decisions on an administration that spent a lot of effort and time putting together this roster. Yeah, man. I, it's just, it's, it leaves a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth. And, and you know, of course, Twitter being Twitter, people did Twitter things and uh, res- respond yeah. <laughs> as people will do. Now, like I said, when we, uh, when we have a little less content or less games to cover, we'll get a little bit more in depth in these games, but we're going to move on. Joey's going to be back in a few minutes. We're going to talk about national team stuff, some great things going on. And, uh, you know, even with the women's team, I, I figured we'd mention this uh, Netherlands match, which is literally one of the best soccer matches I've ever seen. Uh, Joey, thank you. And you will be back in a few minutes. Thanks, man. We know this guy. I know him very well. Great friend, uh, former president of the Coopers, who will be a regular contributor. Uh, that is, And also a retired colonel, which is kind of awesome. I know two retired colonels. And this is Ken Luther. Ken, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's up? Yeah, let's emphasize the word retired and de-emphasize <laughs> the word colonel. I don't really care about the rank. I, I do you. care about the retired part. That's, uh, that's a pretty good deal. I hear you, brother. You're doing okay. Yeah, awesome. My voice is a little scratchy from screaming my guts out on a Saturday night. I had a a great time. That was, uh, you know, maybe we didn't play great, but I had a a great time at the game, pre-game, post-game, all that stuff. That was a lot of fun. I had a great time myself. We had we came up with a random drum deal, which was a lot, of, which was a blast. Now we got to turn that into something. It's like the drum solo, right? At the yeah. concert, the drummer gets the drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> we got a drum solo, so it's pretty cool. So, hey, man, let's let's get into anything that you wanted to talk about relative to the USL stuff. Please, just go ahead and, and say what you want to say, and then we'll let uh, right. in a little bit. I listened to your last show, which was great, and, you know, Thank I just want to congratulate you on, on your first show. Thank you know, you. this is, you know, one of the things that I love about Louisville and, and a, a key component to contributing to our success is the fan generated content you know yeah. we we make up for that gap that the media the traditional media doesn't fill yeah. uh, through this incredible amount of fan generated content at least for louisville city you know right, i think right. maybe there's some space for more racing louisville we can totally. talk about that on yeah. fan generated content but and that's, uh, why that's why i definitely want to add that into this because it's it's a key component uh, it is equal to Louisville City, and it's it's going to be part of the culture here. Hopefully, I mean, granted, both teams are going to have their own identity and they're going to have their own vibe, but it's still a united culture. There's synergy between the two, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the USL stuff, you're talking a little bit about the whole pro-rel thing. Yes, sir. Uh, that uh, I guess somebody important is going to vote on in the at the winter meeting or the December meeting or whatever it is. Well, they said as uh, soon as December. It could be done as soon as as, as December. It might be later, but it could be this soon. Yeah, so that to me, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. You know, it, it seems as if, and obviously I don't have any inside baseball on this stuff, but it seems as if we are separating ourselves from 
the other league, Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a way to separate ourselves is to be something different. And yes, being something different is maybe to be a little bit similar to the rest of the world, which is promotion relegation, which yep. I think is fantastic. Fraught with risk a little bit. Oh, yeah. But I, I, you know, somehow I always believe it was in the vision of the USL for the last couple of years to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it's not going to happen overnight. Right. Uh, and if some of our, uh, you know, pro, pro rail people could exercise a little bit of patience. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> which they seem to have trouble doing sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think this could really turn out. Uh, to set ourselves apart from the MLS. And, you know, when you think in t- goals in terms of decades, mm-hmm. a decade from now, it could really be a pivotal moment. Well, that's what I'm saying, you know. For league. Right, and that's kind of what, you know, you start talking about center forward. There's the people that hate it completely, and then there's the people who think we can do it tomorrow, which we can't. So you're trying to find some balance in all of this. And I, I have two concerns. Obviously, we don't want... How do you work in two teams if we're, they're still part of it, which they probably won't be? So, no, they, they're not, right? They're gone. Yeah, that's um, right. That's that is, You're absolutely correct. That's part of it. Yeah. And then the, the other thing is is that do we want teams in, in ruddy baseball stadiums from League One being promoted? I don't, know if that, I don't know what the answer to that is. You know what I'm saying? What do you think? Well, what I do think is I think it's, it, it's part of becoming a top-tier team in the USL is that you have a soccer-specific stadium. Right. So that transition to pro rail will probably be tied to a certain percentage of teams that have soccer specific stadiums. Yes, sir. Every team does not have to have a bazillion dollar uh, stadium like Absolutely. we do. I mean, totally. they, they, they can go a little bit cheaper. I mean, their crowds sure. are not as big as ours right? Uh, for the most part. So I certainly think that uh, it's, it's doable. You know, a, a great example of a small club uh, becoming getting promoted to the top team is, is uh, what was that? The Cherries in, in the EPL, where are they from? Bournemouth? Bournemouth, yeah, that's right? correct. Right, right, right. right. So that, was, that was an 11,000-seat stadium. Right, right. Uh, that competed with the big ones. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to have the Lynn Family Stadium. I mean, we set the standard. I get it. Right. Uh, but you can have something significantly smaller. Uh, but getting out of these baseball stadiums, I think, is going to be key, or converting them, or, or like Tampa did, or, or whatever. Right, and it's it's also, it, you know, the baseball stadium thing for me is not so much. Well, the baseball stadium itself is part of it, but it's it's the it's the state of the pitch that yeah. I have more oh, of an know. issue with. It's that these fields look like they take a beating like ours did like slugger nobody wanted to come here and play slugger and it's the same thing that to me it's not just it's the venue itself if it's a soccer specific stadium that's great but if the if if you're playing in a soccer stadium a like sort of like yankee stadium because that team from new york still plays in yankee stadium they do um, yeah and, and you go all the way back chicago fire played at soldier field back in the day i mean there's there's it's the quality of, of the environment it, for me. It, 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 I'm, that's really more than I'm concerned about, which is why I'm just watching two teams playing in their stadiums with no one there. Those are beautiful <laughs> facilities. Sporting Kansas City, beautiful facility, right? Nobody you in gotta, the stadium. Who cares? Yeah, you got to right size. That's the thing. Right. You got to right size your stadium to the amount of people that you're going to be able to put in there, into it. So I, I, I do struggle with watching soccer games on empty stadiums it reminds me of the nasl in the 70s Dude. and early 80s remember those games oh, yeah, where, where sure. they're 
nobody there. <laughs> well, uh, the, the, well, the, the NASL games when, it, when there was a there was a there was a stretch of about five years where it was a well attended league. Now, if you're talking about the last iteration of the NASL, absolutely. But when you well, yeah, back, you're talking about the '70s, and I don't remember any games from the '70s because I was like, well, five. I'm, an, well, I'm, uh, an old, but, I'm an old son of a bitch. So I do. <laughs> <laughs> you got one or two years on me, man. Not many, but you got one or two years. I yeah, do man. remember kind of the end of the league where yeah. it was kind of falling apart because Disaster. of no uh, nobody in the stadium. But you know, I think it's all doable. The other thing about baseball stadiums is the the fields are sometimes smaller, thinner, yep. Yep. Uh, shorter, uh, and I think it it challenges some teams. I think our our racing team played on a baseball stadium, uh, not the last game, but the game before that, right? Um, and well, I, I thought we were challenged because of that type of pitch. Okay. Transitioning from mm-hmm. Lynn, which right. is a big field, although they do kind of make it thinner, right. um, or they can, to to a baseball pitch is, is a struggle right. uh, for some teams. And Tacoma was a – the O.L. Rain plays in a baseball stadium. Right. That's that was it. it. Yeah. yeah, man. But I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I really am looking forward to – it's exciting. This whole deal is really exciting. One of the things I said last week, if you're an owner looking to buy a franchise now, you know you're speculating a little bit more. So you're going to get people who want to take some more chances. I think we need owners in this league who want to take chances. Sure, you're going to fail. You can't take a chance and guarantee yourself from not failing. But that's part of the greatness of it for me is is the is the, is the energy that an owner and, and an ownership group puts into a team and the uncertainty of it, but then you have to force yourself to push money into it to make it work. You think? I, I yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's an increased amount of risk, yep. and if you invest in that, uh, you could potentially see success. Right. I, I also think the other thing is what I alluded to earlier is this: this will set ourselves apart from the MLS. Absolutely, because right. we're not, we can't be the MLS. Right. Because we're always going right. to be the second division, right, right, right. but if we want to compete for that first division spot mm-hmm. or be co-first divisions, remember what the NASL did a couple of years ago right. um, through the U.S. Soccer Federation. This is the way you do it, yep. and this is you know this is kind of what FIFA wants is they want pro rep. I think maybe not. No, no, no. The, the, the dude that's there now, Infantine, whatever his name is, uh, said, in, in, and he said this uh, when he visited the president a couple of years ago. He said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I remember reading the article. He said, look, I'm not telling them what to do, but when I want something, I want something. He said that. He literally said that when they were talking about, he was at the president's office, I want to say it was three years ago. I remember that distinctly. He wants it. They want it. And the thing the, is, I don't understand is, why don't we want it? It would be a completely well, we do. new The people way to, uh, do. Yeah. You know, this is, this is going to bring, you know, potentially going to bring soccer to, you know, the far corners of, of our vast country, which is a great thing if done correctly. I agree. You know, the MLS always wanted to do kind of the NFL and NBA and models of where you have a team and then you have a regional fan base. Uh, And soccer just isn't that is, it isn't like that. It doesn't, you know, because you start playing or you just start supporting at a very young age. Right. And and it's much more of a local thing. Right. Uh, So I I think there's a tremendous amount of potential. We just got to be careful and we got to go slow. And we got to be deliberate about it. Yep. Uh, and part of that is tied to the soccer-specific stadiums. Right. And and, and Edwards to, to to tie this off. Edwards has done a good job with oh, yeah. uh, with 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 guiding the ship here. So um, he's sure had this as a goal for years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and he's, he probably has a whole kind of marketing communication plan mm -hmm. that's tied to it. But we're just going to get tidbits every six months or so sure. uh, based on things. But from a fan perspective, we need to put pressure on our own club and the ownership groups to say, hey, this is something you want to vote for because yeah. we really believe in it. Totally agree. So that's uh, so that's uh, some some USL talk. We're going to bring Ken back in a little bit to talk about something else, which is very important. And let's move on to the next segment. Okay, folks. Like we promised, new content, insightful, deep, analytical. It will rock your world. <laughs> and folks, this is about the greatest soccer league maybe in the history of history. And we have to add it in. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... The MLS Moment. <laughs> Here we go. Folks, the MLS Moment for the first time ever. Are you ready? Here we go. Apparently, New England's pretty good. Mark Anthony Kay is traded for something called GAM. Hey, Kyle Smith scored a goal for the Orlando people. And Cincinnati is still the worst team ever in history. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is. The MLS <laughs> yeah, man. You want depth? You got it. All right, man. Let's let's dive in. We like I said, we're, we're going to be pretty condensed with time, but let's dive into the uh, women's team, both the Netherlands match and Canada. The Netherlands match yeah. is about one of the greatest matches I've ever watched ever. I thought, and that's not hyperbole. What a sure. contest! I, I, I mean, just the way it started out. With the U.S., you know, completely in control, and then the Netherlands. I, I thought both of their goals were against the run of play, but it just turned into this exciting, insane match. Man, I loved it. What do you think? Oh, it's just what it's what international soccer should be. Yeah, man. Um, you know, a lot of people love to say, "I love the I love Team USA dominating," which we we should and mm -hmm. we do. Right. But it's also great when the the uh, ending of the game is in doubt. Yep. Totally. You know, those are the you remember yep. um, because each moment means so much more mm -hmm. and and that's that that's what's great about these these environments these mm -hmm. stages right 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 and i think it was especially great to see some particularly unsung people get mm -hmm. the spotlight like, like a lynn williams yes absolutely great start uh, an outstanding you know, decision outstanding decision and being a difference maker on this level not just someone who is filling some minutes but being a difference maker mm -hmm. and, and and that was great to see and, you know, and who doesn't love, you know, the heart racing tension of a penalty shootout? Yeah, man. Yeah, and I felt real good going into that um, just with the experience. And here's the thing, Joe. I've been talking about this for a couple of years, and sometimes people get mad at me. They think I'm, I'm, I'm being too, too critical. Um, but, you know, there's a new wave of talent in Europe. Netherlands just showed it. They didn't even make the World Cup a few years ago. And now they're yeah. the European champions, and they were literally just penalty kicks away from beating us, and they gave us a great match. But you've got them, you've got Spain, you've got France, you've got England. There's, it's Sweden. Look how good Sweden's been. Not just them, Canada. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's becoming like, it's becoming like I, I hate to delve off soccer here, but it's becoming like how, uh, and since the post-2000s, international basketball. Team yes, USA doesn't sir. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, it's truly becoming the global game again. Yeah, uh, and, and that's what you're going to see in women's soccer with the rise of the NWSL yep. uh, becoming more prominent. You're going to see that with all of the uh, women's professional teams over in Europe. Yes. Uh, be more supported by their by their franchises. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the talent's going to rise to the top. And we're seeing now 
you know, the U.S. is going to be challenged. Yes, they You're are. not just going to walk in and win everything. No, sir. It's going to be, I think it's going to be great to watch. I'm a little bit, I'm not concerned. It's not even concerned. It's just, I'm wondering, because let's, let's be honest, the next two years, you've got a good chunk of these players are gone. They're done. Okay. Oh, yeah. So now who's that next group of 18 to 24 year olds? Who's going to come sure. up and fill that fill that void? I mean, that's really where I'm at with that. And it's a bummer that they lost, but I can't like look. They had to be gassed after that Netherlands match. They had to be. I mean, it was, yeah. it was so hot, and and then, then you know going to penalties, and then you know Canada just you know look. I'm 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 proud of the team that they competed as hard as they did. It sucks that they didn't win, um, but it is what it is, man. I you know I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, I'll say this, you know, it, it wouldn't just, it, it's it, not just being gassed from the Netherlands game and all the emotion, mm -hmm. just physically gassed because 11 of your 22 players were over 30. Yeah, man, that's uh, true. And you're coming, you're coming off a string of, of friendlies leading up to this. You're playing in that environment in Tokyo that's just humid and hot. I mean, I don't know how they had much left in the tank. Yeah. It was, and, you know, there's going to be a massive turnover with these people because, you know, half your roster is in uh, is of retirement age exactly. for international. You've got about seven so, players in their mid, in their in, seven players that, that I counted without getting into the name, seven or eight even in their early to late 30s. I mean, the, the substitutes, yeah. the substitutes in the Sweden game, average age of your substitutes was almost 33 years old. Yes. You know, so, you know, you know. it's a teaching of the guard. Yeah. It's going to be one of those moments. It happens. Uh, you've got Sauerbrunn's at 36. Yep. Press is, or sorry, Lloyd is 39. Rapino's yep. 36. Yep. You know, those three for sure, I'm, I'm going to say, are not going to make it to the next major tournament. Right, right. And, you know, it's going to be time to see, all right, what's what, what's left in the cupboard? Yep. What's I... the next week? And that was one of my criticisms of this roster was we kind of just ran it back from yeah. the 2019 World Cup. Totally. Agree. And that's a tough I mean, how do you not run it back? Yeah. You just won the grandest stage of them all. I agree. Totally. Uh, you know, the, 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 the young build that was on the Olympics roster was Tierna Davidson. She's 22. Mm -hmm. Katarina Marcario is 21. Rose Lavelle is going to be one of your, your building blocks yes. at 26. And then if you're looking at the fringe, I mean, we got to look at Racing Louisville. Emily Fox. Emily Fox. I agree. 23. Mallory Pugh, 23. Mm -hmm. Um, she wasn't even included on the Olympics roster. Yeah. So you've got some building blocks, but the problem is a lot of them are low on caps. Yeah. So we're going to need a lot of friendlies. I think we're going to need a lot of friendlies building up to the next cycle to get these young ladies in and get them, you know, really get, get chemistry flowing and, and get them up on the international stage. I agree. I agree. And I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. Speaking of uh, looking forward to seeing things that happen, this is the first time and I'm going to be honest with you, Joe, about five years that I've been excited about the men's team. I can't believe the energy. It was ugly. It was sometimes really hard to watch. But then winning this Gold Cup match the way they did and the, the, the title the way they did, it, I'm, I'm, I, I, it's, like I said, it's been like five years since I've had this kind of feeling about a roster going into a World Cup qualifying. Go ahead, man. I agree with that. You know, one thing I've said is, leading up to this, I'm sure you've seen me say this on Twitter, mm -hmm. with the Nations League Cup and with the Gold Cup this summer, mm -hmm. I've been saying, before you can dominate, you have to learn to win. Absolutely. And they've been, they this tournament was nothing but ugly, grind-out wins. Yeah, man. And those are the wins that separate you from everybody else. You know, when you don't have, when you don't have everything clicking, but you're able to scrap out a goal in the 80th minute and hold on for a win, mm -hmm. that's a different. 
And I see that with this with this team throughout those two different camps is and especially this Gold Cup was they never took themselves out of games. At times, Matt Turner had to stand on his head and you wondered if he was Tim Howard reincarnated. Um, But he just, you know, you could just see there that they never freaked out. Everyone did their job as the best they could, and you would just keep winning. You know, like the old Al Davis quote, just win, baby. Yes, sir. And that's what they did. You know, the fact that they, they went four straight one nothings to win that tournament <laughs> shows composure, uh, shows maturity that this roster didn't have mm-hmm. on paper. And it's, it's, it's an exciting time to be a USA fan when you can take – and, you know, this has been a, a debate point on social media. Was this our B team, our C team? I don't care what letter team it was. Mm-hmm. It went out. And- they, they did go out and win. I totally agree with you. It's not about – it's about getting players who are fringe players. And we know that. There's, you know, many of these players yeah. that played in this tournament, I'm not sure you're going to see them on the final roster. I don't know how sure. many. But you got some of them that made – you mentioned Turner, who uh, who stood on his head. <laughs> it's, he did. You know, it's I mean, unbelievable some of the stops he came up with. His save against Cutter, where that ball dropped in between uh, the player and him, that's mm-hmm. a reaction save maybe 1% of keepers on this planet can make. Yeah, man. And I was re- actually, I was really impressed with that team. I, I had no idea. Now, they're the Asian champions, and I had no idea that they were good. That was a good, well-disciplined, organized side. I compared it to um, a team like when you see, you'll see a good college football team or good college basketball team play a team that's somewhere in the middle of the conference or maybe a little lower or maybe a real good, like like in basketball, you get a, a one double eight team, whatever the, whatever the rankings are, I forget. But they can last with you for 15 minutes. because yeah. and But they just don't have the bodies. I think they sub two people in. I, I, yeah. So oh, I don't know, uh, between them um, and then the Mexico match, um, well, give me more about the uh, Mexico thing. Give me more about what you thought about that match. I'll be honest. I had. I did not have. I'll be honest with myself. I eat. A, I have to eat a plate of crow. Okay. I did not have much hope going into the Mexico game. I thought this is where this this run comes to an end. Yeah. Um. You know, just on paper. But then, I, but then that's why you play. Uh. You know, we but we followed the same schematic as as this whole tournament. Bend but don't break defense. Yeah, man. Pop up and have your moments, and that's what they did. They 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 stuck to the game plan, and it's a culture I see. Burhalter creating which i love which is you come in you have a job to do and your expectation is victory i don't care where you come from i picked you for this mm-hmm. and and you know you just see the amount of different starting lineups they had throughout this tournament with all the injuries they had and you just come in against mexico that had probably let's be honest the most talented roster in the tournament sure and they could do nothing sure they scared they scared us at times but they, they, they never put the ball in the back of the net. No, they didn't. And we ultimately did. Uh, you know, at times we had the better chances. Mm-hmm. We may not look like it, but it was just a grind it out, go get that trophy kind of win. They don't ask for descriptions at the end of the day. No. All it says is USA won, Mexico nothing. And they let us hang around. And that's the thing that, you, you know, yes. that's what, what a team, they remind me a lot of that O2 team, and which is still my favorite. Well, probably my favorite team of the last 30 years because that team wasn't high on a lot. It wasn't a super talented team, but it was the same thing, just a ton of guts. And um, this, uh, this performance, Matthew Hoppy, how about a guy who I'm wondering what he learned as a player being involved in relegation 
and and yeah. having to deal with that in Germany, and maybe that added another dimension of whatever. I, I'm not even sure what the words are, but man, man, if you want to talk, if all right, Acosta, Turner, yeah, okay, no doubt, no doubt, Acosta was unbelievable in the in the Mexico match, but the um, I think if there's one guy that clearly might not have been on the bus, but stamped his name to get on that bus was Hoppy. I thought he was amazing. I think I think he's definitely um, he's free, he's he took his name from a possibility to definitely fringe. Yes, I think my guy who who went from to from relative anonymity mm-hmm. to number one discussion for me is Miles Robinson. There you go. That's an awesome. I, I agree. Totally agree. That, that spot next to John Brooks has been up for debate since Aaron Long got hurt. That's <laughs> true. And this tournament. Early on, it was James Sands. Yeah. Looked great. Okay. But then he struggled the last couple games. Mm-hmm. And who stepped in while he struggled was Miles Robinson. Yep. And this is not even recency bias because he scored the winning goal. Sure. Maturity, he had awareness. Um, he had a number of last gasp stops. Mm-hmm. And he showed, he showed a lot. Now, if we're starting tomorrow our best 11, I may not go with, with him next to John Brooks. Right. But I think Turner, Robinson... Hoppy and Acosta. Those are your four who really, who really made cases to sure. go from being fringe guys to all right. We're in the conversation now for who we bring in if we have a big tournament tomorrow. Absolutely, Acosta. And you're talking about Acosta now. You know we're playing a couple of those teams. You know the the Caribbean island teams. And you can't, I, like sure. I said last week, you can't fault our guys for that. Look, they, they don't they don't pick the teams that they play. Sure. So when when you're when you're lighting up a team in that level, all right. So you're lighting them up. But the way Acosta performed against Mexico, which is a pretty strong side, you know, Funes Mori. I mean, these guys yeah. are players, man. And yes. um, I mean, he was just dominant at times. He was just, and like I said, it, as time went on, I don't even think it was more of a fatigue factor as it was, holy crap, these guys are punching back, you know? Yeah. And Acosta was so dominant. It was so it's awesome. It's not even the Mexico game for me. The one that stands out for me is the Jamaica game. Okay. Acosta was all over the field in that game. Yes, he was. He was everywhere. That was the first punch in the mouth for this team. I mean, Canada, the Canada game was tight, mm-hmm. but that Jamaica game was the first someone came out and was coming at the U.S. And Acosta was everywhere putting out fires. Right, right. Um, he just popped up everywhere. And he did the same thing against Mexico. Um, and, you know, we need that veteran presence in that midfield room, maybe yeah, not yeah. on the field at times, but in that midfield room, because we've got we've got this possible golden generation coming up of these young guys who play in Europe. Yes, sir. And here's a guy who's been in, I've been out, now I'm back in again. You mm-hmm. know, he's got that he's got that perspective that not a lot of these guys have seen. Right, right. So all in all, like uh, I'm just I'm ecstatic for them. It's nice to have a little bit of hope. And uh, I guess we'll see where this is going. So, Joe, we're going to have to close it down. Go ahead. I'm sorry. This, this is the – we have to argue this is the most successful non-World Cup summer in oh, U.S. Yeah. soccer history. It's been a while. Two, tro- two trophies and two dramatic wins against Mexico. Totally. What better team to get them against, too? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, what are you talking about? There's nothing between USA and Mexico. Yeah, That's just yeah. your garden variety uh, – <laughs> U of L versus JCC. That's nothing. <laughs> I hear you, man. Hey, listen, I, I'm gonna, we're going to have to close it down, but is there anything else you want to add before we finish? No, just just want to thank you again for the opportunity to to discuss soccer and, mm-hmm. you know, go Loose City, go racing, and go USA. Awesome. We will see you uh, Saturday at the game, ladies and gentlemen. Joey Cecil. Thanks, pal. Thank you. 
Okay, I want to thank Joey Cecil. Uh, really appreciate his contribution. Looking forward to having him as a part of the show for weeks and months to come. Before we get to Ken Luther, uh, let's do my favorite segment of the show. I love learning things, don't you? It's nice to learn things. <laughs> and racing went off to play in Tacoma this week, and I have nothing in my mind that I remember about Tacoma, Washington. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to learn a little thing or two about Tacoma, and then I'm going to share it with you all. Isn't that nice of me? I think that's nice. So get a pen, paper, pencil, iPad, whatever it takes. Okay, kids, are you ready? Let's learn something about Tacoma. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Here we go. No number one, the name Tacoma means mother of the waters. Did you know that? I didn't know that. The mother of the waters. Not the aunt. Not the second cousin. The mother of the waters. So cool. Number two, Tacoma Dome is the largest wood dome arena in the world, constructed with 1.6 million board feet. Okay, that's a lot of wood. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anything else. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Number three, Tacoma's 700-acre park, Point Defiance, is one of the largest urban peaks parks in the nation. It is second only to Central Park in New York City. That's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, hopefully, we don't have as many muggers. <laughs> If you've ever been there, you'll know. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Number four. How about this? This is pretty cool. Famous musicians from Tacoma. Bing Crosby. Anna Nancy Wilson from Heart. Dave Matthews. Quincy Jones. The great Quincy Jones. Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Jimi Hendrix. And then maybe the greatest wind instrumentalist of all time. Kenny G. Don't mess with Kenny G. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And then lastly... Uh, the only fatality of the Galloping Gertie Bridge Collapse, which sounds awful, the only fatality of the Galloping Gertie Bridge Collapse was a three-legged dog. We miss you, Tripod. Hope you're enjoying the, uh, the snacks on the other side of the Rainbow Bridge. Anyway, there you go, man. You learned something. I hope you enjoyed that. All right, we're going to bring Ken Luther back in to talk about uh, something that we've both talked about for a while doing, and that's having conversations about things that are going on in our society and they're going on maybe even locally that impact the soccer community here. And we're really not going to touch on a topic today. Wait, what, what do you want to start with, though? We can start with like abortion, gun control, Palestine, <laughs> Israel. You mean you want to ease right into it? Is that what you Healthcare, <laughs> infrastructure. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All I right, know, go ahead. I know, Sorry, I, know. I, I had to jump in there with no, that. No, it's funny. But the whole idea <laughs> is is that these conversations um, are necessary. Uh, like I said last week, and we've talked about before, the, the ability to talk to each other, um, at least in, in some sort of civil manner and co coexisting, uh, regardless of the level of relationship you may build with somebody, is, is essential. Um, certainly if we want to see this community take off. And... Um, I'm not, I have no insight as to whether that's a part of anything or not. I do know that there are times where people feel like they, they can't express themselves or they feel like if they do express themselves, they're going to be attacked even though they want to have a civil conversation. So um, with that, uh, please lean into that. Tell me what you think. Well, you know, it seems to me, and I'm, I'm certainly, you know, obviously we, we're, we're a little bit different uh, politically, which, sure. is, which is just fine because— sure. You know, that, that kind of how is how this country is supposed to work. Absolutely. Uh, and it seems to me is that we're talking a lot more, but we're talking at each yes. other or we're just totally. kind of talking in the cyberspace. Right, right. Uh, but we're not really listening to each other and trying to get to that understanding. 
uh, whether you agree or not, right. uh, of somebody else's point of view so that we can work towards how this country is supposed to work, which right. is based on compromise. Compromise and consensus, absolutely, 100%. I, it's so it's so crazy. Uh, when you think about the, the tenor of the conversation, I think social media has just made it awful. Um, yeah, well, it's, a, it's one tiny form of communication when true communication is so much more. Uh, and, and it's so easy to be relatively anonymous or within your own safety bubble uh, and criticize. Right. And it's very hard to listen. Right. Uh, in the social media environment. It's, right. it's, God, I'm God. Yeah. And I think part of it is, look, as a, this is where I lean. I've always, especially the last 20 years or so. And now I've, I've gone through periods of my life. Like when I was younger, my eighties was probably the most left that I've ever been. And I was pretty good. I was, I wasn't exactly just tipping, dipping my toe in it. And then I went through a period like in the late 90s and through 2004 where it was probably the furthest right I was. And then over the last 16 years, maturing to a point where I just want to hear everybody's conversation. I don't want to be, I don't want to be aligned with one or the other because I think if people really knew me and understood where I was coming from, I'm pretty center. But I'm always going to be a guy <clears throat> that wants to lean away from government solutions. If there is a solution yeah. that we need to have that's a government solution, okay, let's talk about it. There have been periods in, in our lives where we've needed that. And I think people have lost what being right and left is. As well, opposed, people... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Folks are, are... What they do is they they want to uh, lump, is, is, a, is a word somebody very close to me uses, is we want to lump people into categories. Yep. You, you are... A lefty, therefore you are a liberal, socialist, communist. Right, right, exactly. Uh, or you are a righty, therefore you are a fascist, Nazi. Right. Which is the funniest thing whenever I hear that, because <laughs> the Nazis were what? The Nazis were socialists. Socialist, so what in the hell is that? Right. Yeah. It's just I guess it's gone in a big circle. You're so far left and you're so far right. We don't know if you're left or you're right. Right. Uh, that's a problem. Yeah. Is is you know people are a lot more complex. Than that, and when you don't really have a conversation and listen to someone, you don't understand the complexity of their thought. Right, uh, and and it's it, it's it's just wreaking havoc uh, on our ability to move forward yep. uh, as a you know community. Right, uh, right. I totally agree with you, and that's and that's really what it is. And you mentioned this when we talked uh, yesterday. <clears throat> Look, we're not talking about everybody holding hands. That's not going to happen. We're always going to have differences. There's always going to be people that don't agree, and everybody just sort of being, you know, you know, hugging each other out and and then playing imagine over a speaker, and everybody's just going to love each other. That's not going to happen. You don't even have to like each other. You right. don't even have to hang out with each other. Exactly. But I would implore people to be a little bit more civil instead of being the first to criticize on on your perception of something that you you don't like unless you just want to be an asshole and we got plenty of those we too. got plenty of those and 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 my thing is look because I, when, when i talk to people about this stuff if i get in depth and and then they you get into a point i think the people that i want to hang with are the people that are focused on the goal you know and the, like the, the goal, whatever the goal is you may uh, one of the things i used to do i used to get into arguments with my mom oh my god i would drive her around and she <laughs> had a set specific way she wanted to get from shop right back home and I have to admit, I would antagonize her sometimes, and I would drive down the one road and take another route, and she'd get pissed off. <laughs> right, but the goal is you still ended up the in the same place. The goal is to get home. I mean, and that's, man, I, I just don't, like, 
when I hear people, uh, you know, talking about the left, the left, the left, the left, and dogging, it's like, look, I know plenty of people, vast majority of people on the left, they want the same things. They want good things for people. That's all they want. Lighten up. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me to make it so to make it so caustic that the second you mention the word, I don't know, Republican or Democrat or whatever, all of a sudden, boom, there's an image and I'm not going to talk to you and you're scum and you're this and you're that and I'm part of the good team, you're part of the bad team or you're part of the good team. It's stupid. I'm sorry, dude. I just, I, I have no tolerance for it anymore. Because you've lumped them in the category. But that's not to say that you can't disagree with somebody. Sure, absolutely. It's not, it's not to say that you can't disagree to the point where you don't want to hang out with them. Absolutely. You know, it's, a, it's a big stadium. It's a big community. We don't necessarily have to, to be with other people. You know, that's, that's kind of a, a, a philosophical debate I had with the Coopers for, for years. Okay. I was like, Coopers have gotten too big. And you have people with this, with, with contrary views mm -hmm. and to a certain extent is it's not working all that great so we really kind of got to look at you know how big we are and, and right. what it is we're trying to do i have never been a fan of big tent politics right but i am a fan of groups being able to get to a point where they can compromise sure and go forward together right. where it's necessary i think that's totally fair i think that you know there's nothing wrong with people having alignments towards whatever philosophies they want to, want to have. Uh, there's also nothing wrong, in my opinion, with groups of people that don't want to have any philosophies whatsoever in an event. Yeah, some people don't want to have anything to do with it, which right. is fine. I don't want to have anything to do with politics. That's not me, man. Right. Politics is very important for the welfare and, sure. and where our world's coming from my worldview. Right. But from other people's worldview, they just want to drink and party and have fun. Right. That's great. Until you insert yourself into it through uh, a criticism of somebody else. That's you fair. just put yourself into the conversation. That's absolutely fair. So don't say, I don't want to have anything to do with it, and then blast off on absolutely. social media criticizing someone. I mean, that's that's bullshit. That's 100% uh, correct. I hear you. you can, yeah, and the other thing, too, is that is that if you insert yourself into one of those conversations and you choose a side... If somebody on the other side doesn't like you because of the side you chose, oh well, <laughs> you got to deal with that, man. I mean, not every, just if 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 you're going to hold a stance on on something and somebody has this is diametrically opposed to it, and after a while they're just like, look, I, I think you're completely wrong. I want nothing to do with you. You can't be like, oh, what do you mean by that? You you can't do that. That's that's wrong. Yeah, you know, people people really do get kind of get upset uh, and, and what they, I think potentially have a tendency to do. And, and I'm just as guilty as that as anyone mm -hmm. is they will uh, alienate themselves. They'll withdraw right. uh, from the community, yep. uh, which just kind of leads to depression and, and, sure and stuff like that. And you don't necessarily, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. On the other hand, if there are things that you don't want to hear, especially on social media, they have these wonderful things called mute and mute block buttons. Mute, mute's a lot more, touch, you know, kinder and gentler than block yep. is. Yep. But, uh, you know, use those uh, so that you don't get upset uh, if you're a uh, voracious social media person. Right, right, right. Uh, I think that will help as well. Right, and it, and it comes down the final point being that if we care about the teams the way we care about the teams, then, you know, being cool with each other. When I say being cool, means being not being antagonistic. Okay. Right. 
not being yep. intentionally antagonistic, trolling, purposefully stuff like that. Right. antagonistic. If you Come care, on, if you care about the teams, then you lay off of that stuff a little bit and accept the fact that there are people that want to that, that, that are part of the community that don't agree with you. Because I'll tell you what, I, I and leave with this. I'll ask you this question: When you see professional any, when you see an organization, I mean, forget about sports, when they pick sides, they pick sides. And when you pick sides, you're going to alienate the people that don't agree with you. And they're, they're consumers. And cons- if you want money from them, don't piss them off. <laughs> what do you think about that? The, I, I would say that the club di- does try to walk that yes. tightrope. Um, sometimes I don't agree with some of their decisions on some of that because sure, I'm, sure. I'm pretty adamant about, you know, a couple of the hot button sure. issues. That's fair. Um, I was looking at this more, Ken, from the community standpoint, not so much the team. Yeah. I was thinking about <clears throat> if I'm in Group A, and Group A is a group that has a very specific political leaning, and somebody else is in Group B, and Group B just wants to go have a beer at a game, and that's all they're doing. That's their thing. Except the fact that there's people who want to be politically active at social at these events. Except the fact that there are people who don't want to be socially, and just just leave each other alone. Right. You know? That's it. Because they're right? all, if, we're all if consumers. There, if there are people who don't want to be politically active, the politically active people should not try to pull them into the political sphere. That's right. not where they want to be. That's not comfortable. And it's probably just going to bring up an adverse and negative reaction. Right. Uh, on the other hand, as I alluded to earlier, mm-hmm. don't say you're not politically active and then become politically active. 100%. Totally agree with you. <laughs> Totally. Okay. Good. Well, there it is, man. That's uh, like I said. We'll get into some topics. Uh, we'll get into a topic next week. And, and Israel Palestine. Let's do that one. Sure. That's that's, that's a nice easy, easy. lean into. No problem. Everybody, it's never. There's never Let's been any problems talking about that ever. <laughs> that's never caused any conflict ever. No. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend Ken Luther. Thanks, pal. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good fun. Looking forward to next week. Peace. Peace. So there you go, folks. Center Forward Podcast number two. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, many thanks to Ken Luther and Joey Cecil. Hopefully they will continue to be weekly contributors. And maybe you'd like to contribute something too. <clears throat> I really can't promise you, you know. But man, if there's uh, something periodically that we can do together, let's just do it. I want this to be about the community. Um, and, and I think that would be really awesome. Um, and really not much more to say. Uh, let's just move on to the final segment. Like I said, I want to always end this with a sort of a happier vibe. And, you know, I wanted to talk a little, I love this music, by the way. Oh my gosh. Isn't it great? Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about hopefully the memories you're building with your families, because this is such a wonderful way to bond with, with your kids or your parents, however you do it. Um, I was thinking this week about how me and my dad used to love going to Cosmos games, along with my brother. And even that, but Giants games and going to sporting events, my favorite memories of being with my dad were going to sporting events. And um, miss him, after, gosh, it's been so long, 20-something years. And you never forget that. It's this, It's not just the bond with your dad. I, you know, I'm a huge New York Giants fan. And part of that is because we used to go to games all the good time together. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, so, you know, I was really thinking about that today. Hopefully, man, you really cherish that moment or those moments that you're having with your kids and the, what, you know, the specialness of it. That's a word. 
how special it is to be able to share these events. And man, whatever that is, please share that with everybody else too, because this is a community. We've got a couple teams here. The more we share, the more commonalities um, we, we discover about each other, the better things are going to be. <laughs> because man, you know, there's, there's really no, um, there's no substitute for uh, love, right, man? That's how I look at it. Look, thank you so much for being a part of this. We're going to make this uh, hopefully a really good show as we go on. The Center Forward podcast, uh, number two. We'll see you again next time. Thank, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you again next week. <laughs>